0: Isaiah chapter 6 it says in the year that king Uzziah died I saw the Lord high and lifted up the train of his robe filled the temple and there were seraphim above him each having six wings the two he flew with two he covered his face the two he covered his feet and they were saying holy 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 is the Lord God almighty the whole earth is full of his glory That's not the only time we see the description of the Lord. Revelation chapter 6. John the Revelator writes, And the four living creatures, each having six wings, are full of eyes around around and within. In the day and the night they do not cease, saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. In Revelation chapter 5, we read, And I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne, and the living creatures, and the elders, and the numbers of them were myriads and myriads, and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power, and riches, and wisdom, and might, and honor, and glory. To him who sits on the throne, and to the Lamb be blessings and honor and glory, and dominion forever and ever. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Worthy is the lamb that was slain. It's strange to think that in heaven that we will hear those words constantly. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. But unlike those tunes that get stuck in our head that we can't get rid of, that will never be a sound that grows old. Amen. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. It will never be a sound that we grow tired of hearing. Holy is the Lord. Worthy to receive praise and glory. Amen. If you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn to the look of Matthew chapter 5 as we continue to look at Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapter 5. We're going to read through verses 21 through 48 we looked last week we looked at the the difference between the external what what the world would would strive for what the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the religious leaders they strive for external purity for external adherence to the law and we looked at Jesus's requirements of an internal adherence to the law and we saw how 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 difficult and how impossible that was well today we're going to look at at what it means because we 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 just kind of glossed over Matthew chapter 5 verse 17 that says and Jesus came not to abolish the law, but that the law might be fulfilled through him, and then we see verses 21 through 48 kind of unpacking that law, we're going to kind of look at, at what does it mean that Jesus is the fulfillment of that law, that we are indeed, as Christians, as those who are in Christ, we are to reflect God's character, and so that's what, hopefully you leave this place this morning, understanding that we are to be a reflection of God's character. Matthew chapter 5, we're going to begin reading verses 21, it's a fairly lengthy passage, one that we're familiar with, verses 21 through 48. You have heard that the ancients were the ancients were told, you shall not commit murder, and whoever commits murder shall be liable to the court. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother shall be guilty before the court, and whoever shall say to his brother, Racha, shall be guilty before the Supreme Court, and whoever... ...shall say, you fool, shall be guilty enough to go into a fiery hell. If therefore you presenting your offering at the altar, and there remember your brother has something against you... ...leave your offering there before the altar, go your way, first be reconciled to your brother, and then come and present your offering. Make friends quickly with your opponent at law, while you are with him on the way, in order that your opponent may not deliver you to the judge... And to the judge, to the officer, so that you be thrown into prison. Truly I say to you, you shall not come out of there until you have paid up to the last cent. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you, everyone who looks at a woman with lust for her has committed adultery with her already in his heart. And if your right eye makes you stumble, tear it out and throw it from you. For it is better for you if one of the parts of your body perish than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand makes you stumble, cut it off and throw it from you, for it is better for you that one of the parts of your body should perish than your whole body go into hell. And it was said, whoever sends his wife away, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that everyone who divorces his wife, except for the cause of unchastity, makes her commit adultery. And whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Again, you have heard the ancients were told, you shall not make false vows. But you shall fulfill your vows to the Lord. But I say to you, make no oath at all, either by heaven, for it, is by, or for it is the throne of God, or by earth, for it is the footstool of his feet, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Nor shall you make an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. But let your statement be yes, yes, or no, no. And anything beyond these is of evil. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, resist him who is evil. But whoever slaps you on your right cheek, turn to him also the other. And if anyone wants to sue you, take your shirt and give him your cloak also. Whoever shall force you to go with him one mile, go with him two. Give to him who asks you, and do not turn away from him who wants to borrow from you. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies... But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you in order that you may be sons of your father who is in heaven. For he causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good. He sends rain upon the righteous and the unrighteous. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even the tax gatherers do the same. And if you greet your brothers only, what do you do more than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same. Therefore, you're to be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that your word is perfect, converting the soul. Lord, that through your word we see the truth of Christ. We see the reality of who we are in light of the righteousness of God. Lord, may you speak to our hearts this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. The law of God is perfect. When we talk about the idea of sin, the idea of transgression, I want us to understand the purpose of God's law. The purpose of God's law, there there are two things we're going to look at today. The first thing is the purpose of God's law. The second thing is the effect of God's law. The purpose of God's law is to reveal God's character. I want us to look at two verses. We're gonna, we're gonna, you're gonna have to be, you're gonna have to be very attentive this morning because we're gonna, we're gonna follow a couple trains of thought. I was telling Pastor Steve this morning. I said I'm concerned that my message today is is too complicated, too convoluted, but but nevertheless, I'm confident that that the people that are hearing the message this morning. Are 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 smart enough and intelligent enough uh, that 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 you're able to take what I'm saying and you're going to be able to 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 unpack all of the all of the the truth that's there and miss all the complicated stuff that I'm going to try and complicate it with and hear what God has to say. So we're going to take and we're going to back up a little bit and we're going to look at the law of God because there's two very similar statements and we're going to look at how John, how John the Apostle and the Apostle Paul discuss and explain the law of God and the purpose of the law of God and then we're going to come back to the book of Matthew and see the application there so if you have your Bibles uh, let's go to the book of 1 John the book of 1 John chapter 3 verse 4 and while you're turning to the book of 1 John chapter 3 verse 4 (coughs) I'm going to remind you of Romans chapter 3 verse 23 which we all have heard a dozen times if not more it says in Romans chapter 3, verse 23, that for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And so as we look at Romans chapter 3, verse 23, we're going to look at it in contrast with 1 John. Romans chapter 3, verse 23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Look at 1 John chapter 3, verse 4. Everyone who practices sin... Practices lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. Everyone who practices sins transgresses God's law. So it would be safe to say that that for all have sinned and come short of the law of God. Fair enough? For everyone who sins practices lawlessness. Paul contrasts that in Romans 3.23 and says, For all have sinned, For everyone who sins, has come short of the glory of God. And so I believe that the Law of God is synonymous with the glory of God. Okay? The Law of God is synonymous with the glory of God. Everyone, John said everyone who sins comes short of the Law of God. Paul says everyone who sins comes short of the glory of God. And so I believe that the Law of God is synonymous with the glory of God. So how can I say that the Law of God is synonymous with the glory of God? Well, the Bible tells us in John chapter 14, John chapter 1, verse 14, that the word Christ became flesh and we beheld his glory. Whose glory? The glory of the Father. We beheld his glory full of grace and truth. Matthew chapter 5, verse 17, Jesus said, I did not come to abolish the law, but that the law might be fulfilled in me. As Christ lived his life, we saw a complete manifestation of the character of god we saw a complete revelation of the glory of god the word became flesh and we beheld his glory the glory of the only begotten of the father full of grace and truth hebrews chapter 1 verse 3 says in another way it says that jesus is the very radiance of the glory of god that he is not a reflection of the glory of god but that he is the very radiance of of the glory of the father and so as christ perfectly fulfilled the law of god he perfectly demonstrated the glory of god and the character of god with me as we talk about sin we see sin as as missing the mark the word sin is actually an ancient term it's an archery term And for those archers out there, uh, when you draw that bow back and you send that arrow flying, and if it does not hit the dead center of the bullseye, it is called sin. If you're like me and you miss the target altogether, it is still called sin. You know, we, we, a few years ago, uh, my little girl got a a pink BB gun for Christmas. Pope Paul John Got her a pink BB gun. She she wanted a she wanted a, a pink gun, and so Paul Paul John said, "Well, if if she wants a pink gun, she gets a pink gun." And so so we got her a pink gun. Well well, Dad wants to teach his little girl how to shoot, and so we bring her outside in the front yard. We have set up the the milk jug, and and we're we're putting the BBs in, and we're we're plinking the BBs, and and we're hitting the milk jug most of the time. And then and then one time. We're, we're shooting, and, and, and Dad's behind her, and he's, he's helping her aim and hold up the gun. And she shoots, and we don't hear anything. And a few minutes later, the neighbors across the street come outside. And they walk, and they look at the window, and then they walk over to us, and they say, you know, well, the, the, it's you know, I think you shot our window. <laughs> I say, no, we're shooting BBs from all the way across the street. Surely we didn't shoot your window. We walk over there, sure enough, we shot our window. <laughs> There was sin. We missed the mark. We missed the milk jug, but we hit the window. We missed the milk jug, but we hit the window. Sin is missing the mark. And, and it didn't matter, it didn't matter if, if we missed the target by a millimeter or if we missed the target by a mile. That's the nature of sin. That's why James would say to keep the whole law, yet stumble at one point is guilty of all of the law. Because sin is sin, whether you've almost got it or whether you miss it by a mile. Whether you're a drug addict, whether you're uh, uh, an alcoholic, whether you are uh, a murderer, whether you are guilty of the most horrendous, heinous crime that there is, or whether you've simply told a little white lie. Sin is sin. And when Paul makes the statement... All have come short of the glory of God. When John makes the statement, all of those who have sinned, all of those who have transgressed God's law, have come short of the law of God, he qualifies that we are all guilty. Now, I believe that the law of God and the glory of God are synonymous. And God intended in His great grace and in His great mercy, God intended... For mankind to be a representative of his glory. John uh, Genesis chapter 1 verse 26. Then God said let us make man in our image. Whose image? The image of the Godhead. God the Father. God the Son. God the Spirit. God said let us make man in our image and according to our likeness. Let him rule over the flesh of the sea and the birds of the sky and the cattle of the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. God told, as he's speaking about the creation of man, he created man in the imago day, in the image of God. And that image of God was man was designed to reflect. Man was designed to be the character and the manifestation of the glory of God. And I believe that if we were in the Garden of Eden, before fall, before the fall, I believe that Adam and Eve would have looked a whole lot like Jesus. Without sin. Perfectly fulfilling God's righteous requirement of the law. Perfectly fulfilling and demonstrating the character of our God. Why? Because they were made in His image. And every man every woman, every child that has come forth since then have come with the intent, have been born, have been created with the intent to demonstrate the glory of God, to demonstrate his character. The problem is, is because of Adam, that Imago Dei has been perverted. It's been twisted. It's been distorted. Well, it's still there. The image of God is still there. It's just distorted. It's perverted. It is is sin. It is marred with sin. The law of God, in the law of God, we see a tangible representation of the character and the glory of God. God is not a thief. Therefore, God, in giving Moses the law, He says, do not steal. God is not a liar. Therefore, in the law of God, he says, thou shalt not bear false witness. God is not a murderer. He does not take innocent life. Therefore, God's law says, thou shalt not murder. God is not an adulterer. God does not give himself to someone after he has committed himself to someone else. God gave himself to Israel and was faithful to Israel time and time and time again even in spite of Israel's faithlessness. The story of Hosea and Gomer is a beautiful picture of God's faithfulness in light of Israel's unfaithfulness. God is faithful. Therefore, he says, thou shalt not commit adultery. God does not covet. He does not want for anything because he owns and has everything. Therefore, God says in his law, thou shalt not covet. The law of God is a perfect depiction, a tangible representation of the character and the glory of God. The law is not some arbitrary rules. God wasn't sitting up in heaven one day and said, you know what? These people down there, they need some rules. I mean, look at them. They're just going crazy. So, so, so let me make up some rules so that I can give them that they can follow so that whenever they don't follow them, they can get in trouble. No, God gave us the law as a depiction, as a tangible representative, as a tangible piece of his character. He says, want to be like me? Want to be holy and righteous and set apart and blameless? Keep these laws. These laws are a manifestation. And if we would keep the law, it's interesting, God created man on the sixth day. The first day that, that, that man gets to exist is what? Gets to experience as the Sabbath. Why did God rest on the Sabbath? Was it because he was tired? No, it's because the work was done. But he gives us the law, remember the Sabbath day, and keep it holy, as a representative of his character and his glory. That, that once the work is done, we rest. And in Hebrews, it talks about that we are to rest in him because the work is done. The death, burial, and resurrection of the cross is done. We can rest in God. The, all of the law, all of the law, it's not some arbitrary rules. It is a clear, tangible depiction of, of the character of God. That's the purpose of the law, to demonstrate the character of God. So, what's the effect of the law? If the purpose of the law is to demonstrate God's character, what is the effect of the law? Well, the effect of the law is to reveal our failure. Paul said, I had not known sin but by the law. You know, it's interesting as parents. Sometimes we forget that we have to teach our kids stuff. Sometimes we forget that, that we have to, to teach our children not to hit. That we have to teach our children not to take stuff that doesn't belong to them. Not That we have to teach our children these certain things. And, and as parents, there have been times whenever Natalie and I have seen our children doing things, and, and they've, they've done things that, that just are inherently wrong, but as parents, we've never taught them that that's wrong. We've never taught them that you know what—you you can't just go up and, and and deck somebody. That that's just wrong. Whenever Nicholas is is uh, at kindergarten and or K four and the the he punches the kid on the first day of the school on the first day of school and we're like Nicholas, what are you doing? He goes, well, he had a toy and I wanted the toy so I punched him. And 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 we have said, okay, okay. You know, we know that your older brother and sisters get in trouble whenever they hit you, and, and we realize that, that he's never gotten in trouble because they've always been bigger than him. And and they're the ones that get in trouble for hitting him, but he's never gotten in trouble for hitting them. So we had to teach him: look, you can't just hit people when you don't get your way. We have to teach them the law in order that they understand when they do wrong. That's what Paul's saying. That without the law, apart from the law, I had not known sin. Now this purpose of the Sermon on the Mount, if we go back to Matthew chapter 5, Jesus begins and he says, you have heard it said, you have heard it said, you have heard it said, but I say unto you, but I say unto you, but I say unto you, there's this contrast of of the rabbinic law, there's this contrast of the, the, the law as it has been taught and the law that Jesus is giving them. The deeper understanding of the meaning of the law. It was not about not committing the act of murder, not committing the act of adultery, not not committing divorce, but the, the issue was anger, the issue was covetousness, the issue was lust. These were all issues of the heart. So as Jesus is giving the Sermon on the Mount, he's giving the Sermon on the Mount, and he is doing more than just, than just telling them. The sermon was going beyond revealing that what we do is wrong, but it was revealing that that what is wrong begins in our heart. It is to reveal not only that what we do is wrong, but to reveal that we are incapable of doing what's right. Yes, you can keep the letter of the law. Yeah, you can go your whole life and not murder somebody. But can you go your whole life and not be angry? Can you go your whole life? You may be able to remain faithful in your marriage. You may be able to remain committed. And praise God. But can you go your whole life? And to never have an impure thought. Lust for another man or another woman. You may be able to go your whole life. And and not exact vengeance. An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, but do you love not just your neighbor, but your enemies also? Pray for those who persecute you and spitefully use you. Jesus was addressing more than what we do. Jesus was revealing not only that what we do is wrong, but Jesus was revealing that that who we are is wrong. Remember how Jesus started the Sermon on the Mount? Blessed be those who mourn. Blessed be those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Jesus talks about we are the salt of the earth. We are the light of the world. Before he ever addressed anything that they did, he addressed who they were. And as he begins to address what they do that reveals who they are, Jesus' Sermon on the Mount is more than just revealing what they do is wrong, but revealing that they're incapable of doing what's right. Murder wasn't the issue. Anger was. Adultery wasn't the issue. Lust was. Justice wasn't the issue. Mercy was. God desires, and we see this in the Sermon on the Mount, God desires to back us into a moral corner. Because in our own selfishness, in our own pride, we look around and we say, well, I'm not as bad as him. I'm not as bad as her. I don't curse near as much as they do. Our marriage is a whole lot better than theirs. We do this. We compare ourselves to other people. We compare ourselves to other church members. We compare ourselves to other Christians. We compare ourselves to our co-workers. And we say, Well, I'm not that bad. And Jesus desires to back them into a moral corner. It says it doesn't matter if you don't murder, have you been angry? It doesn't matter if you don't commit adultery, have you ever lusted? It doesn't matter. What the, whether you've kept the letter of the law, have you kept the spirit of the law? is your heart right? And reality is, Romans chapter 8 tells us Romans chapter 8 tells us, it says, the hostile mind, the, the mindset on the flesh, is hostile towards God, and it does not submit itself to the law of God, for it is not even able to do so. We're not able to do what's right. It's not just that what we do is wrong. We are incapable of doing what is right apart from Christ. Jesus desires to back them into a moral corner and make them come to grips with the reality of their depravity. The heart, amongst all else, is deceitfully wicked. Who can know it? David said this. When he sinned with Bathsheba and Nathan came to him and, and and peeled back the shades and allowed the glory of God to shine into the light, the law of God to shine into the light of David. What did David say? Against you and you alone have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight and you are just when you judge and you are right when you cleanse me and, and discipline me. God, I'm begging you have mercy upon me. I know that I deserve wrath and judgment and hell, but have mercy upon me. God desires to back us into a moral corner where we come to grips with the reality of who we are. That if I look deep in the recesses of my heart, there's not kindness. There's not love. There's not gentleness. There's anger. There's malice. There's vengeance. There's, there's lust. There's greed. There's selfishness. There's pride. And when we get backed into that moral corner, we realize not only what we do is wrong, but what we do is a reflection of who we are. Why do I lie? Because I'm a liar. Why do I steal? Because I'm a thief. Why do I look lustfully at a woman? Because I'm an adulterer at heart. The problem is not what I do with my hands. The problem begins in my heart. The first step of salvation is for us to come to this realization. When my children talking to me about salvation, about getting baptized, and about coming to saving knowledge of Jesus, I ask him, I said, why did Jesus have to die? They say, Well, to forgive sin. My next question is: who sin? Because it, when, when we talk about Jesus dying for sin generally, that's nice. But until they realize that they are sinner, that they have offended God, and that God is right to judge and, and to demonstrate wrath upon them, and that they are the ones that their heart is deceitfully wicked, and until they are broken about their sin, until we are broken about our sin, we will never come to saving relationship with Christ. The effect of the law is to reveal that we are sinners. Watch this. Go to Colossians chapter 1, verse 25. God desires to reveal in us that we are sinners. To back us into that moral corner to where we have nowhere else to go but to the cross. But when we come to the cross, chapter 1, verse 25, Paul says this, of this church, I was made a minister according to the stewardship from God, bestowed upon me for your benefit that I might fully carry out the preaching of the word of God to this end, verse 26. That is the mystery which has been hidden from past ages and generations, but now has been manifested to his saints. The mystery of God, the gospel of God, is now going to be manifest, is now going to be revealed to his saints. Verse 27. To whom God willed to make known what is the riches of his glory. Remember we talked about the glory of God being equal to the law of God, the riches of the law of God, the riches of his glory. What is it? Which is Christ in you hope of glory Christ in you is the hope of glory God reveals his glory as Christ in you in Christ the law is not something condemning but is something liberating in Christ when we look at the moral law, the law is not composed of a list of do's and don'ts, but it's something that is liberating. It's something that is freeing. Watch this. We read the law of God before Christ as this. Don't commit murder. Don't commit adultery. Don't steal. Don't lie. Don't covet. All of these things that, that are that are these these barriers these things that that we cannot do that we should not do once we're in Christ a recipient of the new covenant listen how those same laws read in Christ I don't have to be angry in Christ I have a new heart I have a new nature and whenever someone strikes me on my right cheek, I can turn to them my other cheek because I have a new heart. I don't have to be angry and respond in anger. I don't have to murder. Do not commit adultery. With a new heart, I am satisfied and content with who I am in Christ and with the, the, the covenant of marriage and the blessing that God has given me. And so I have no desire to be with someone else, because in Christ I see the beauty of my bride. I shall not commit adultery. Don't steal. In Christ I'm completely satisfied with him and all that he has blessed me and all that he has given me. Paul says in Philippians chapter 4 that in Christ that, 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 that I've learned I've been given much and I have been given little and I've learned to be content in all things in Christ I count all things to be lost compared to the surpassing value of knowing Christ in Christ I don't have to steal don't lie don't bear false witness in Christ I don't have to lie because the truth is in me and it comes out of me. When we see the law of God, when we see Christ in us is the hope of glory, of us fulfilling the law of God, all of a sudden the moral law looks much different. In Christ, we can, there is a hope that we can reflect the glory of God, that we can carry out the character of God, that we can demonstrate to the world. The character of God. Look at it in Jeremiah and Ezekiel in the new covenant. Jeremiah chapter 31 verse 33. Jeremiah chapter 31 verse 33. But this is the covenant which I will make with those of Israel after those days declares the Lord. I will put my law within them and on their hearts I will write it and I will be their God and there shall be my people. Notice the law of God doesn't change. It simply relocates. Instead of being on stone tablets, it is written upon our hearts. And so the character of God, the law of God, the glory of God, which is one and the same, the glory of God is no longer something external, but is something internal. It changes who we are, which affects what we do. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Ezekiel chapter 36. Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 27. And I will put my spirit within you, and I will cause you to walk within my statutes. Wait a second. The spirit of God within us is going to effectively cause us to live rightly. You see the progression? It starts on the inside, not on the outside. The law of God is written upon our hearts. God says, I will put my spirit within you. Christ in you is the hope of glory. There is no way, church. There is no way you can keep the law of God. Jesus said, the only way for you to get to heaven is to be perfect. As your heavenly father is perfect. He backs them into a moral corner and says, want to see the kingdom of God? Be perfect. Your righteousness must exceed that of the Pharisees and the religious leaders. The Old Covenant is what we do for God. This is every other religion in the world. What can you do to appease God? What can you do to garner favor from God? What can you do to, to, to make Him love you? What can you do to give Him honor? What can you do to, to, to make Him happy? The New Covenant is what God has done for us. Christ in you. The hope of glory. Jesus said I did not come to abolish the law. But that the law might be fulfilled. In me. I came that the glory of God might be fulfilled in me. And that as you place your faith and trust in me. My spirit will inhabit you. And You will reflect the character and the glory of God. Church, if you're here this morning, and you look at the law of God as rules and regulations, you look at God's law as as this is what I have to do in order to garner favor with God, that is completely antithetical to the gospel. That is not what God's word says. God's word says you cannot obey God's law. And the more you try to obey God's law, the harder you work, the more you realize you fail. The message of the gospel is this. That God did for us what we could not do. We could not be good enough. We could not be perfect enough. We could not be righteous enough. Therefore God Came down to earth in the person of Jesus. Perfectly fulfilled every aspect of the law. Righteousness. Took our sin. Gave us his righteousness. Died in our place. Was buried in a borrowed tomb. And rose victorious over sin, death, and the grave. So that all those who placed their faith and trust in Jesus would have Christ in us the spirit of god in us just is the hope of glory and in christ we can fulfill the righteous requirement of the law we can not be angry not lust not do that which is evil in christ will we ever achieve perfection here on this earth no But in Christ, we can reflect the character and glory of God. Let's pray. God, there are those here this morning whose life is an effort to keep the law. They strive day in and day out, and they feel guilty day in and day out. If that's you this morning, stop trying to keep the law and come to Jesus. If that's you this morning, stop trying to be good enough. Stop trying to make God happy and trust in what God has already done. Jesus said, come to me all you who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. There's some of you this morning who for the very first time have seen the law of God as liberating not something that we have to do but something that Christ empowers us to do that you this morning maybe you simply need to come to this altar and thank God for revealing his truth to your heart during this time this morning may you do business with God in Jesus name we pray Amen